Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Sometimes those seasons that we go through can seem like, seem like storms of life, right? When we go through those seasons, it seems as though it's a storm of life. And we're thinking, you know, eventually it's going to stop raining. Eventually it's going to stop raining. <laughs> eventually it's going to stop blowing. Jesus, come on, right? And so we all go through those things in life. And there's no better story that really come to mind than an individual that we've already mentioned, and that is good old Job. Job went through some storms of life, didn't he? And so let's take a look at Job. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. <laughs> Job chapter 1. It's not a particular book that we readily go to. Sometimes you got to flip back and forth to find it like like I am right now. What's that? It's before Psalms. Well, where's Psalms at? Oh, all right. <laughs> Is it in the front or the back of the book? <laughs> it's in the middle. All right, there we go. Hey, you know, that is a good way to know how to uh, identify your Bible. If If you're looking to identify some things, if you flip it over, or flip it open right to the middle, typically you hit Psalms or Isaiah. And so therefore, if you know if something's to the right or to the left, or to the left or the right of Isaiah, the, the middle, you can go. You got it? All right. That was for free. That was just a Bible school lesson. All right, Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 13. It says, there was now a day, or there, there was a day when his... Sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the, when the sea beans raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and, a, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 16 says, Hang on here, my glasses are fogging up. Can't read. Let me wipe them off. All right. What verse are we on? 16. It says, while he was still speaking, so this servant came in and was telling them something bad that happened. And while he was still speaking, another also came in and said, the fire of God, or lightning, one would say, fell, on, fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came in and said, the Chaldeans from uh, formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped, uh, have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Come on, it just goes from bad to worse. That's a bad day. 
And then in verse 20, it says, Then Job arose, tore his clothes, shaved his head, and he fell on the ground, and he began to worship God. Once again, just as we've said, that was a bad day. I mean, not only was one report bad, while that, that, that servant was reporting the bad news, another one came in right behind him and says, Hey, I've got some bad news. And you're thinking, oh, dear God, the storm is just increasing. And while he's still speaking, another servant came in and says, this happened. So in other words, it started out as a Category 1 hurricane, and it turned into a Category 4 in the matter of seconds, right? And for many of us, that's how we have felt in life. It seems as though the storms of life have been raging against us is beating on our doors and it just seems as though i can't get ahead it just seems like it goes from bad to worse and we keep thinking when is this storm going to ever end could it ever get any worse and in the midst of us asking the question could it get worse and we're like yeah it can come on do you know what i'm talking about Has anybody ever felt like that in their life at some point in time? Maybe you feel like that right now. You've been going through the storm of life, and it seems as though it looks like the storm is starting to clear, but something else comes. And once again, that is oftentimes where we find ourselves being. Many of us can say, I can relate to Job more than I relate to Jesus. Jesus walking on the water, man, doing miracles. I relate to Job. Well, before we start feeling too bad for Job, let me just kind of give you a disclaimer. Because I realize that Job had some really tough things going on. But theologians tell us that it was roughly 16 months or right around a year and a half. Now, I know he had some bad things going on. But really, we could say it this way. Job had a bad year. Now, let me ask you, have you ever just had one of those years that just seemed like, I'm glad this year's over? Well, how many of you know that at the end of the story, Job is restored, right? So even though he had a bad year, God still proved faithful. So I want you to know, you might have felt like you're going through a season. You might feel like this seems like the storm is never going to come to an end. Listen, it might be a bad year, but the clouds are parting. The sun's coming. The rains are going to stop because God said that he's a good God. And he said our seasons are turning and they're changing. Amen? Amen. Well, so in the midst of... The story of Job, the Bible tells us that here he is, all these things happen. He's just waiting out, looking at the, the, the season that, he, that he's in. And in the midst of it, the Bible even says he got sick and started getting boils on his skin. And in the midst of him being sick and losing everything, his wife comes to him. Aren't you just glad for your wife sometimes? She came to him and she says, why don't you just curse God? <laughs> and he refused to do it. Come on, have you ever heard those voices on the inside? Why don't you just get mad at God? Why don't you just curse God? Why don't you just scream at God and say, God, where are you at? I know that we've all felt that way. And for that matter, how many of you know that God has big shoulders? He does. And so sometimes it's just needful to vent, right? So sometimes God's just willing to listen to you. But he's like, okay, now that you got that out of your system, what are we going to do about it? And so, once again, we see that his wife just challenged him, says, why don't you just curse God? He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then his friends came along. And you know, friends, they just have the best intent. They have the best wisdom to give you, right? 
And so we see in Job chapter 14, the Bible says that some friends came along and tried to give him some advice. He says, well, you know, you're born of a woman, right? Well, if you're born of a woman, then you're going to have troubles all your life. You know, it's just it's the woman's fault. But once again, all of us have experienced those friendships in our life that come along and they're trying to give you good advice. They're trying to help you out. But really all they're trying to do is trying to bring correction to your life or they're trying to nitpick or they're trying to really just rub salt in the wound. That might not be their intent, but that's what they end up doing, right? Well, thanks for making me feel worse. Appreciate it. Just glad we did this, right? But obviously we all face things in our life and go through seasons of our life where trouble comes. We're going to feel that the season may not come to an end, but it will come to an end. So, when you think about that, wouldn't it be great in this life that we live? And in fact, for that matter, when we look at Job, when you look at his accounts and the things that he struggled with and the seasons and the storms that he went through in his life really are applicable to every area of our life. Whether it be financial, whether it be family, whether it be uh, health, we can relate to Job's story in some form or fashion or at some point in time in our life, right? But as I was beginning to say, wouldn't it be great that when it comes to the area of our finances, when it seems like things just aren't stretching far enough that all of a sudden we get that letter in the mail and there's this long lost aunt that we never knew about and she's richer than rich and she just didn't have anybody else to put into her will and she just found you by chance and put your name on the will and you're the sole inheritor of her estate oh wouldn't that be great sure it would but that's not real realistic is it well what if and wouldn't it be great that if every relationship from here on out was going to be trouble-free. Not realistic. Wouldn't it be great if that from here on out, we would never have battles between the flesh and the spirit, where the flesh would never raise up and give us trouble in our life. Wouldn't that be nice? But obviously, once again, that's unrealistic. And wouldn't it be great if your kids were perfect? (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Amen. I'm telling you, sometimes I tell the Lord, you know, Jesus, you can just come right now because I would rather raise my kids in heaven than here. Because at least up there, they they would be perfect and have to deal with them down here. Right? (laughs) But once again, that's not realistic. Job's storms, as I said, are relatable to everything that you and I go through. And so if Job went through those things, we're going to go through those things. Wouldn't it be great... That if we could just pray, that once we begin to see those things in our life, that the storms that are rising and, and, and the clouds that are starting to form and the darkness that seems to surround us, wouldn't it be great that if we just said, in the name of Jesus, I tell you no, and it stops immediately. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not realistic. Now, there are times when God intervenes miraculously, But the truth of the matter is, is that when we purpose to pray and when we stand in faith, God says that he begins to build our faith through patience. And so there are times that it might take a little bit of time or it runs a course or it has a season. And through the midst of it, God's growing us and developing our faith. But like I said, wouldn't it be great that if all we did is take a stand and say, oh, no, you don't. And Jesus steps right in between. But once again, that's not always realistic. Wouldn't it be? 
great if we could just pray this prayer and say, God, I'm asking you just to help me never go through a trial or storm again in my life. (laughs) But that's not realistic. We're all going to go through storms. And for that matter, as long as you're breathing breath, as long as you're alive on this earth, all of us are going to go through trials and storms of life. It's just the way that it is. We'll never escape it. Until we go home to be with Jesus, we will never escape this life without trials, without trouble, without storms. In fact, for that matter, the Bible tells us over in Ephesians chapter 1 that we've got an enemy that is ensuring that to happen. The Bible says that we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So there's an enemy that is saying, listen, if you thought it was bad, let me just show you how bad it can get. Why? Because he hates your guts. He hates you. Why? Because every time he sees you, you show and represent the very heart and the very love of God for humanity. Amen? In fact, if you've ever been told this, that once you receive Christ into your life, everything gets better and you'll never have problems again in your life, that's a lie. In fact, for that matter, the moment that you purpose to receive Christ into your life and start walking and serving God, you've got a bullseye on you. Why? Because the enemy is going to work real hard at trying to get you knocked off course because you've got a purpose in your life and God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. And so therefore, if he can begin to knock you off course, he will do whatever he can just to make life hard for you. Amen? Have you ever noticed that? I've noticed that in my own personal life, that when I make some personal goals, when I make some personal strides in my life, it seems like that's when everything starts to shake and rattle because, once again, I begin to put my heels in the sand and say, okay, I'm getting determined. And that's exactly when the distractions, the trials, and the storms start to build. Why? Because there's the opposition that wants to get you out of your place. Now, for many that are here, maybe because of your church background, you know the Word of God, and so therefore you've been, been, been able to develop a lifestyle of faith. But there's one thing to know the Word of God and see somebody else's circumstance and say, well, here's what the Word of God says. Well, if I was you, this is what I would do because this, here's what the Word of God says, and I would just stand on the Word of God and trust God. Well, that's all good and that's all easy to say until you're walking through the storm your own self. So therefore, again, it might be an easy thing to quote the word and, and give it to somebody else, but it's a whole different story when you're going through the storm of life and saying, I'm purposing to trust God, and God, your word says, and God, your word says, and the season seems like it takes a little bit longer, and you're like, God, your word says. Amen? Why? Because we're all purposing to grow. The Bible says that we're to fight the good fight of faith. So this life of faith can be a fight. And I believe that every single one of us that have ever gone through storms or that are in the midst of a storm right now, at some point in time, there's this question that always starts to come to the surface. And it's the question of why? Why, God? Or we might say, why me? Have you ever been there? Why, God? Why is this happening? Or, or, or why me? Right? Now, now, there are those that would say, you know, that's not, that's not right to question God. That's not right to ask question, 
questions as to why because God's sovereign. And so just let God's sovereign plan happen. Listen, that's just foolish. In fact, it's wisdom to ask God, why? Why, God? Now, for that matter, for most of us, if we're going through some storms of life and we're going through some things, typically, most of us kind of have a good idea as to why we're there. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. All right, I, yeah, if I'm going to be honest, I can remember God said do this and I did that. Or I, I chose to do this and therefore I'm in this situation. But there are times that, bless God, I just don't know why. Why is this happening, God? And for that matter, do you remember Jesus? When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus, the perfect will of God in action, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself, knowing that he was in the very sovereign plan of God, still asked God, why? Amen, are you here this morning? God doesn't mind it if we ask why. In fact, it creates a place or a platform for us to grow when we begin to ask the question as to why. Amen? Now, concerning Job, Job asked the question as to why, but he actually asked it from a different perspective. And Job wasn't asking, why did this happen, God? He was actually asking it from a position of pride. God, why has this happened to me? I'm a righteous man. God, I've done all the right things. Why have you allowed this to happen to me? Have you ever been there? Well, God, I come to church. I come to church at least once a month. God, I come to church. God, God, I, I, I help out. God, I pay my tithes. And I, so, God, why would this happen to me? And so the minute that we get into pride, once again, we open up the door for the enemy. But God says, you know what? It comes knocking on everybody's door. And so therefore, when we ask out of sincerity, it allows us to get to a place where we can get free from the storm. And if we'll ask why with sincerity, oftentimes it will prevent you and keep you from going back there again. Have you ever repeated a storm in your life? I ask that because I've done that before. God, I'll never do that again. And sure enough, like, oh my goodness, how did I get back here? Have you ever been there? You know, there are what we would call faith tests. Many of us say, well, God, I want to be there. And God says, well, there's a faith test right here. And until you pass this faith test, you're not going to get over here. And so, therefore, we're almost there to win the test and, and, and come to a conclusion. And, God, I've been faithful. And then somehow we get knocked off and we just stop trusting God. And God says, all right, well, we're going to do that one again. Oh, that's never fun. Can you say amen? You know, I talked about just people that will come in your life and try to give you counsel, give you wisdom, or try to speak into your life that are trying to help. Sometimes they're sincere, but sometimes they're just sincerely stupid, right? But there's a pastor that I know of. He was from Pennsylvania. And this was just a few years back. His little boy, again, was I think around three years of age, went out of the house and somehow they didn't see it or maybe they just caught him too late. But the little boy ended up running out into the road and got hit by a car and 
got killed. Now, once again, this is a pastor. Lost his little boy. I mean, I put myself in that position, having a boy that's just four years old. And it would be real easy to ask the question, why? God, how did that happen? God, how could you have allowed that to happen? Right? And then in the midst of preparing for the funeral, people would come up to him. One individual made this statement. says, well... God just needed another flower in heaven. So therefore, he plucked your son. I mean, you talk about just stirring up the hurt. I think I'd have a real hard time if somebody said that to me. I mean, they might be missing a couple of teeth. You know, again, I don't say that to be cocky. I'm just saying, somebody that says something that stupid, well, God just wanted your son. Well, couldn't he have taken somebody else's son? Couldn't he have let me have a few more years with this son? So again, out of ignorance, people just say foolish things, right? Another one said to him, Well, God knew that your son really wouldn't turn out that well, so he just decided to rescue you from all the trouble and decided to take him. Another individual says, Obviously, you weren't watching him too well or he wouldn't have gone out into the road. Another person says, Well... The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Have you ever heard that in a funeral before? You know, that is totally unscriptural. That's not the heart of God. In fact, that statement was Job making the statement. But in chapter 42, he actually repents for making that statement. Because God never takes. God's a giver. God never brings death. He always brings life. But we do live in a world... That's fallen. We do live in a world where the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. And so once again, we can see that there's all kinds of individuals that will come up to you, try to help you, but obviously sometimes can just create turbulence in your storm. And then obviously all of us can tend to come up with our own reasons as to why. Well, maybe if I'd have been a better person... Maybe if I'd have been a better dad, a better husband, whatever. Maybe we can say, well, if I can just beat myself up enough because of the guilt, maybe it will turn out better. Come on. God doesn't want you to beat yourself up through the midst of the storm. If God can forgive you, He needs you to forgive yourself. Because if God forgives you, but you choose not to forgive yourself, the storm still lingers on. Amen? God wants us to become or come to a place where we're free. Amen? The storms of life come to every person. We saw that the storms of life came to Jesus. And the heart of God is not for you to beat yourself up because of what you're going through. It's just like Jesus saying, well, I was a baby. And while I was a baby, Herod tried to kill me. Wasn't I a good enough baby? No. The enemy just is trying to destroy our lives because we are believers. But nevertheless, God says, I have a desire for you to have an expected end. I have a desire for you to come out of this season. I have a desire for you to experience life and life more abundantly. You and I can never live life without storms. But in the midst of the storm, we can live through it with victory. You're coming out of this storm of life. You're coming out into a new season. You're coming out into a place of victory. With every mountaintop, there's a valley. Listen, we can stand on the mountaintop and we can praise and worship God. 
but you build character through the valley. And every time you get back to the mountaintop, it's higher and it's higher and it's higher. Why? Because God is building you. He's developing you. And therefore, every time you get to a higher mountain, you can scream to the top of your lungs and more people can hear you telling about God's goodness. Amen. We all face storms of life, but God's desire is that we come out of them smelling like we haven't even been touched by smoke. Now, for that matter, many times we'll say this, or you've heard people say this. Well, God is in control. I know it looks bad, but God is in control of everything that we see. No, he's not. Don't fool yourself. There is the sovereignty of God. And God is sovereign to his plan, which is is that he sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for us that we could have eternal life. There is the sovereignty of God that Jesus is coming back and is going to take his church. There is the sovereignty of God that all those who reject Jesus will find themselves in hell for eternity. The sovereignty of God is that there is a sovereign plan. But the Bible tells us that when Adam fell, this earth came under control of Satan. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says that actually Satan is the God of this world. So when you look at your life and you say, well, God is in control, and we just sit passively by, no, you take a stand and say, wait a minute, you don't have to be this way. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be this way, or it doesn't have to stay this way. If you'll allow yourself to buy into the idea that this is the best it will get, That's all you'll ever have. Come on, how many of you want a better marriage? I do. Well, part of that is me. 60, 70, 30. (laughs) Right? I got more to to work on than her. Right? So again, we've all got things we got to do. God wants us to prepare for the storm. But at the same time, he wants us to see ourselves making it to the other side. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says this. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. So in other words, he's saying this. He says, listen, everybody goes through it. Everybody deals with it. Some people have had it worse and gotten through than what you're going through. So if they did, you can. Amen. Jesus said to Peter, he says, Satan has sought to sift you. Remember I just said that to you a minute ago? That the moment you receive Christ, the enemy puts a bullseye on your head. That, that, that word sought to sift you in the Greek means riddled with holes. He's sought to riddle you with holes. It makes, a, makes you think of a machine gun, doesn't it? And that's exactly how he's coming after you. He's not just sitting back and saying, well, we're just... We'll just give you a lighter day today. We, we were rough on you yesterday. We'll, just, we'll take it easy on you today. No. He's got the, the belt of bullets. He doesn't have the single shot where he loads it one at a time. No. He's got a machine gun and he's looking to riddle your life with holes. Riddle your marriage with holes. Riddle your family with holes. Why? Because that's what he's come to do. But the Bible says that we can live victorious through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we can stand victorious through what Jesus came to do. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I am a victor. I am triumphant. I I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because I'm a child of God. Amen. If He can do it for me, He can do it for you. 
In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. So once again, let me go back to Jesus. Was Jesus in the perfect will of God? Absolutely. Did Jesus go through storms and trials and persecution in his life? Absolutely. So let me just tell you, you're either in the will of God or out of the will of God. But in the will or out of the will, you're still going to have storms. (laughs) Good news, isn't it? Praise the Lord. But when we're in the will of God, we know that we're coming out of the other side. And if you know that you're out of the will of God, just purpose to get in the will of God, and you'll see that that storm comes to an end simply by making some adjustments in life. Amen? Let me close with giving you some scriptures just to stir your faith. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 says this. It says, Let your conduct be without uh, covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Come on. What can man do to me? Well, the bills are coming up. You're going to lose the house. The bills are passed due. What can man do to me? Because I serve God. He is my help. Well, you don't see you don't see what I see. You don't know what I know. He is my help. What shall I fear? No man has any ability or control over my life because I serve God. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter four verse nine says, "Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed." Come on. He might knock you down, but you still got to get back up. And as long as you keep getting back up, you keep winning. Amen. I said, as long as you keep getting up, you keep winning. Notice what the next one says. In, in uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Oh, you mean I can have peace in the midst of a storm? Absolutely. It says, in the world you'll have trouble, tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He overcame it for you. So you might have some trials, but be of good cheer. He'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. Come on, have you ever been around those people that it just seems like they're always smiling? And you're like, I want to knock the smile off their face. Like, what are you smiling about? Don't you know how bad it is? And they're smiling, right? Well, why can people be that way? Because in the midst of a storm of life, they can have the peace of God and the joy of the Lord on the inside, knowing that this too shall pass. Every storm passes. Have you noticed that we've had some hurricanes going on in the southern states? Do you know that as they talk about them, they stop talking about them? Why? Because they pass. Every storm is going to come to an end. Psalm chapter 34, verse 19. It says, many are the afflicted of the righteous. Well, if you think, well, I'm not righteous, man. Don't you know how, man, I'm just the farthest, farthest thing from righteousness. No, listen, if you're a child of God, you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. So notice what it says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So if you've got stuff going on, you're in good company. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Not just some, not just the little ones, the big ones, the small ones, the medium. He leads you out of them all. Amen. And then lastly, oh, this one is so good. In Micah chapter 7, verse 8, it says, My enemies do not gloat over me. 
Come on. Have you ever had somebody that just had that look? That smug look? And once again, if you're like me, it's like, man, I want to knock that look off your face. And it says to, to his enemies, don't look at me and gloat. See, the enemy would like nothing more than to gloat at the calamity that you've got going on in your life. But in the midst of knowing who you are, what Jesus came to do, he can put your hands on your hips. Say, don't you gloat at me. Don't you look at me that way. Because notice what it goes on to say. It says, though I have fallen, I'll get back up. Amen. Listen. If the enemy had the power to take you out, he would have taken Jesus out. If he had the power to take you out, he would have prevented you from ever receiving Christ into your life. And if he can't do that, he can't take you out. He might be trying to take you down, throwing everything he's got at you. But listen, you felt his worst. He's given you his hardest blow, and he's not been able to hurt you. Or at least not been able to take you out. Just keep getting back up. Amen? I said, just keep getting back up. As a fighter, I've told you I've fought martial arts for a number of years when I was younger. I have done it in a number of years. But when I was younger, one of the things you didn't do was show your opponent that you were hurt. Because if they knew that, they, that you were hurt or that they hurt you, they kept coming back to the place that they thought that they hurt you. Or if they thought that they hurt you, they just started coming at you harder. But when they try to hit you with everything that they have, when they've reached back in as deep as they can, and they have hit you their hardest, and you still look at them and you smile, it causes them to begin to shake in their boots. Because they think to themselves, I gave everything that I had. I hit him with my best, and they're still standing. Come on. Every time you get back up, the devil says, man, that was my best shot. And they're still getting up. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This storm will pass. This season is coming to an end. I'm coming into a new season of my life of good things. Things are turning around. Things are getting better. Things are looking brighter. Things are coming together. Why? Because it's a new season. The storm is over. Hey, man, do you believe that in your life? Do you believe that that means you? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? If you are, then, man, it's time to stand up. It's time to get that fight and look in your face come on work on your snarl you know what I mean look in the mirror get your John Wayne look going on get your Elvis lip curled up or something I don't know what it is you get your look get your fight back amen the storm might be blowing but we're going through and we're going to the other side Amen. Let's stand. Amen. Your best days are ahead of you. I said the best days are ahead of you. Amen. Say that with me. Say my best days are ahead of me. My best days are ahead of me. Devil, my best days are ahead of me. Ha <laughs> ha, Jesus name.
Father, we give you praise and we give you thanks. God, we thank you that we're stepping into a new season of life. God, we're no longer looking back. We're getting the wine out of our voice. We're getting our lip unpuckered. Lord, we are purposing right now to take a turn, take a step forward. And God, we're squaring up our shoulders because this is the best season of our life. This is a new day. The storm is over. And God, we thank you. Oh, we thank you that your promises are yes and amen. So God, we thank you that provision, just as with Job, just as with Job, you restored back to him multiple times over. So God, that which the enemy has tried to steal, in Jesus' name, he has to restore. Oh, when it comes to health, the devil may have tried to mess with your health, mess with your mind, but no, there is restoration that's coming in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that, Lord, restoration to finances are coming. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, we'll not lose that. No, we'll not get into fear about that. Oh, for in Jesus' name, you are the great source and the great supplier, and you are the provider. So we thank you that provision is on the way. Supernatural doors are opening. Relationships being aligned in Jesus' name. And we give you all the praise and thanks. And if that was you, you say amen. Amen. Praise God. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.